Nothing like a good piece of jazz music to celebrate our nation's birthday. Happy birthday, America, 4th of July. Anybody else out there that today may be their birthday, happy birthday. And before we get started, we are having another rerun or return, not a rerun, a return of one of our most requested special guests, the legendary Russell Stutley, all the way from Cambodia via the Philippines, via Malta, via the United Kingdom. Man, this guy gets around. Welcome and hello, Joe. Hello. Thank you very much. It's uh, very kind of you to have me back on, Tony. Most people don't ask me back a second time. Yeah, well, only the ones that you owe money to. They want to see you a lot. <laughs> good, good point. And I, I try to ignore them. Yeah, right. How you been, Joe? Good, good, man. Enjoying the holiday weekend. I think it is appropriate that we, we brought a Brit on today. I think you had some comments on that, Tony. Here, here's the thing. Um, you know, I'm little, I didn't want Russell to appear on today's program because, you know, when, when, when you look at his face, it's, it could be frightening. And this is a day to celebrate, okay? Not a day to cower in fear. But here, let's face two things. We broke away and beat Britain in the 1700s. We saved their asses in World War II. Russell would either not be here if it wasn't for us, or he'd be speaking German. So what can I say? You're welcome. You're welcome. I feel I need to just correct you slightly on that, Tony. Um, The first part um, referenced my face and everything like that, and it being sort of face that only a mother could love. I'm not going to argue that one. Often people have said it's a perfect face for radio. Again, I can't argue that one. But when it comes to your independence and so forth, well, (laughs) you know, we had a choice, didn't we, really? It was either the French or you lot. So we decided we'll let you have the place. You can deal with all the French and all their rubbish and everything else like that. As for your third part of your <laughs> little intro there, reference uh, WW2, as you guys try, like to call it. Yeah. Um, you did come to the party rather late, didn't you? It's a, it's a little bit like saying, you know, it's a tag team thing. We do the first eight rounds and you do the last two and then try and take all the glory. Well, you'd know a lot about tag teams, especially with the women. <laughs> I can't argue with you there. You know a lot more about tag teams than Joe and I. So, all right, point taken. It's, it's great to have you here. Thank and, you. And Nico should be joining us later. And Nico's a big fan of yours, too. He, he'd love to have you when, when you're on. So it's all good. But, yeah, we're, uh, 
it's a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day yesterday. My uh, little community had a fireworks show. They normally do every 4th of July. Last year it was canceled because of the uh, pandemic. But which is, what is great is that I can sit right here on my porch. I'm uh, you know, right across from the, the lake. So I don't know here. Let me see if I can get that in there so you guys can kind of see it. I don't know because I, the, yeah, I don't know. I think you could see the lake somewhere back in there. Kind of looks like a garage, but yeah, I can't, I can't tell. Can you see the lake now? Now you can. Yeah, yeah now you can. So that's exactly over there is exactly where they they have the barge every year. So this town gets mobbed, and you can't park, and I don't have to worry about any of that. But I just sit on my porch and you know get a very good view of it, and um, yeah, it's terrific. So hey, before we go too much further. Because um, I know we want to get Lala t- talking with Russell, but we do have some housekeeping to do and some exciting news, actually, for all our followers. We have a new service, right, Tony? Yes, we have the private membership uh, uh, situation that I launched July 1st. We advertised it on Facebook and uh, Instagram, and now we're doing it here on YouTube. And Joe will put a link to it in the description, but it's catchrussell.com backslash membership. But anyway, there's two memberships. There's just a recurring $5 a month generosity kind of uh, giving to help us keep up with the podcast and pay for all the equipment that we've purchased for all of it. Uh, And the other is a $10 a month recurring charge. Every month you get an instructional uh, video. None of my previous uh, videos. These are all newly filmed, never before seen. And it gives you a chance to just, you know, practice these moves. And... You know, there's been other people, and Russell and I will discuss this, who have done membership sites and have thousands and thousands of subscribers. So we should have at least that many because I'm the only catch wrestler that's doing this. And, you know, it's uh, world class. So, it, and it's a work in progress. You know, we're going to, con- you know, uh, make changes probably somewhere along the way. But I urge everyone out there to, you know, sign up. And as again, uh, Joe will have a link to the uh, sign up in the uh, description here, but it's really cool. You know, we've been wanting to do this for a while and we've not postponed it, but things along the way. And if it wasn't for Russell's help, who did all the behind the scenes stuff, as far as the software and the website and the membership program, uh, this wouldn't happen because it's over my head. And so we owe it all to Russell and yep. The, the it's ready to go so if you guys got ten dollars please sign up you'll have instant access to the first month's video and the way it works is from the day you sign up like today is the fourth well then uh 30 days i believe it is or 31 30 days from today you'd get your second video and so on and so forth uh and you'll still have access to the previous month so nothing is you know going to be gone so this is great so i hope uh i hope a lot of people join that would really be great for both both of us for myself because it will help my income stream and for you guys because you'll get a uh a knowledge base you'll you'll learn uh you know you'll see different things and learn different things and thanks for everybody who's appeared on the video the first video includes myself joe cardinal and brian denise and uh, there'll be some where it's just me where I'm showing solo stuff. There'll be more with us guys. That's it. So, yes, please, catchrussell.com backslash membership. But there will be a uh, link in the uh, description. And 
boom, I expect good things. And I'd just like to add to that. I mean, if you're a fan of what Tony does and what he teaches, and or if you've been following our podcast, I mean, we've been giving away all this content for over a year now. We've been almost a year we've been doing this podcast. And think of all the hundreds of videos on YouTube. And I know I understand that not everybody can come out and train for whatever financial or work reasons, but this is a way you can support to make sure we keep on producing videos and podcasts and things like that. Just like I said, do your little part, pitch in. It's, you know, like they always say on the uh, PBS drives, it's only like a cup of coffee kind of price that we're talking about. Um, but every little bit helps. And like I said, keeps this going forward. So thanks again for your support on these things. Yeah. And I'd like to say that people are absolutely bonkers if they don't take that membership because they're getting world-class instruction from the number one guy for like five or 10 bucks. I mean, you got to be an absolute moron not to do it. I'm sorry, but that's the absolute, it's nothing more than an intelligence test. It's that simple. It really is. And and again, I want to, I don't want to bore people too much with the technical behind the scenes stuff, but you know, I don't remember a lot of things, you know, like I used to, as far as all of this uh, software uh, website stuff. And the scary part is when you have a WordPress site, you make one mistake, you can t- completely wipe out your website. And so it's, it's very tensive. And because of uh, Russell's help, he was able to do it remotely until I screwed it up and locked him out and he couldn't do it anymore. So then he took the time to actually film screenshot videos of him doing it on his website and walked me through it. Uh, so again, yeah, this, this was great. Now it's set up for, you know, for forever. And I, I, I'm sure if I have a little issue coming up, I'll reach out to Russell. Uh, of course, with the time difference, it normally takes about 24 hours, but yeah, once again, thanks for the kind words, Russ. And thank you for, uh, you know, all, all your help. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And, and, you know, it's the absolute truth. We, we've known each other a long time and we just we just say it how it is. And it, it, it can win your friends and it can make you enemies because you just tell the truth. And I've been telling people for years and years and years, if they want to learn how to make stuff work, they want to learn. I'm just excluding the striking side of things because you're known for the fact, but I know you know the striking side as well. But if people really want to learn how to fight, then it's that simple. You've got to get Tony's stuff. I've been telling people for years. We use your stuff. Um, I, I keep telling everybody. When we wanted to learn how to do fighting on the ground stuff, because we know how to strike. Yeah. When we wanted to learn how to fight on the ground, we, I, put, I used to put on your stuff. We'd sit and watch it and then go and practice it. And we got miles better real quick. And people have been training for years and years and years in their grappling fighting stuff. We were smashing them in a few months of doing your stuff. And that's it. It's, it's that simple. So a few months of your stuff, it smashed years of other people's stuff. End of story. Part of it is because of you, because you have that advanced thinking process. You know how to learn. A lot of people don't know how to learn. They'll watch a video clip of anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. And they'll, they'll miss the details. So they go out there and it doesn't work. And it's not, I mean, it's, they're, they're the ones who are failing. It's not the instruction normally. It's that you just missed all the little details. And then two, sometimes you can't pick up everything on a video, but you, you and your guys were able to do that. And everybody else that can do that excels. And, and they get so good 
quickly and they're able to handle sambo guys and jujitsu guys and other grappling styles. And, you know, it, it's like a, uh, to them, it's just like a, wow, a light bulb went off and it's great. So um, that's why this monthly thing will be uh, very good because it'll give them a reason every month they're going to know for 10 bucks, they're getting a, something else, a little trick. Now, by that token, this does not replace the Tri-C program. Now, that's really in-depth, and that's one-on-one, -on -one where I actually critique you. I see your videos, and I give you something completely different, okay? So I want to make sure that people understand that. For this, you're just getting um, the same video everybody else would be getting. There's no certification, obviously, but with the Tri-C program, that certification, it, that allows you training here in Chicago, and even if you choose not to, you still get the back and forth videos uh, where I create a system of fighting specifically for your skill level. So I just want to make sure that, you know, there's no, uh, uh, you know, misunderstanding between that. So, uh, but yeah, this $10 a month thing is really should be a motivator to get you to do the Tri-C. Yeah. And then you're going to get, you know, even more specific training. So, I guess that's about all we can say for it right now because I don't want to hog this all up. I want Russell to we, – we, we need to talk about him and his martial arts stuff, and especially when Nico comes on because Nico has a million and one questions. But I have some questions for, for Russell. Um, yeah, Russell and I have known each other a long time, and I, I, you know, he came to my, my gym uh, with, with uh, someone else. And long story short, Russell was leaving the next day going back to Europe. And I'm like, well, come on, you can stay at my house. No need to get a motel. And we hung out. It was great. Great gentleman, great skilled martial artist. Um, what, give me your, your take on your personal journey in boxing and, and how boxing, what it, boxing means to you, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, of course. I've always loved boxing, always. And it, it's one of those things where I was, very, very, very fortunate, but also I was a little bit too old. I'll explain what I mean. I'd always loved boxing. Never thought I was any good at it. We would be boxing, you know, getting hit. It was beat up the karate guy whenever we went to boxing. Mm -hmm. and doing exactly what we were told to do and stand how we were told to stand and punch how we were told to punch and get hit <laughs> all the time. And then on our martial arts side, we did things different. Our kickboxing side, we did it different. Our self-defense stuff was very different. And it, it was a frustrating that you, know, you, you do it one way and you're okay. You do it the way you're being told to do it and you're getting smashed. And then this one particular weekend, Errol Graham came down to the gym. He wanted to see what we were doing with martial arts stuff. That's another long story. He came down for an hour and ended up staying the whole weekend, Friday through till Monday. Because he loved what we were doing. We loved what he did. And he said, no, do your boxing like you do your kickboxing, your self-defense. Just change this stance just slightly. Move the back foot over there. Everything will work for you. That's exactly what you're doing in your self-defense. So we went back to boxing on the Monday. Nobody could lay a glove on. And then ended up doing literally probably, I don't know, Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rounds with Errol, week in, week out, training with him, going everywhere. We did seminars together all around. 
in Cyprus, in Malta, in Europe, in England. And we had other people training with us who became professional boxers like Big Paul, Big Paul Butlin, who fought Anthony Joshua. And, um, you know, had a, a long career as a, as a big heavyweight. So again, Paul and I, we've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rounds. And, uh, and I was about 34, I think, something like that, when Hell said I could have been pretty good. You know, maybe sort of, maybe getting sort of area stroke, maybe even English title type of standard. But when you're getting told what the money would be and how much work you have to put into it, so I, I can earn a lot more just doing what I'm doing now and not getting smashed up. So I just do the boxing for enjoyment rather than try and make it. So I just carried on sparring with Harold, sparring with Paul and other people. And then learning the trade and learning the skills and learning how it works and applying the same principles that we use in our martial arts to understand boxing and truly try and understand it. So the last 20 odd years have been um, trying to really understand boxing. As long because we're the pressure point stuff and the martial arts stuff, we know that. I, I you know, it, it's a bit like what we talk about before about how many hours you put into something for what you get out of it. There's little point in me doing 20 hours a week of pressure point stuff when I'm already at a level where I don't need 20 hours a week. You know, I'm, the, the, how much better you're going to get for 20 hours a week is, is negligible. But I can learn so much more about boxing and especially old school fighters the different styles of boxing and everything else. So that's really been a passion over the last 20 odd years, which has helped me become a national boxing coach over here. And I've, I've taken several people up to pro standard. I've taught, you know, at amateur level, people have got to, in not just in boxing, but in tie boxing and things like that, got to bronze, silver, gold level, gold medal level at amateur, world amateur and things like that. So we've had a pretty good, you know, behind the scenes sort of record with it and had a lot of fairly well-known people come and find out how to make their striking work. And it's been a great, a great journey, great fun. Very well said. Yeah. So you're, you're like me and most musicians as well. You get to a level, a skill level that you're comfortable with. And then you, instead of training for developmental reasons, it switches to maintenance and, that's even how it is with, with weightlifting. You know, you get to a certain point after, I mean, unless you're still competing actively, you just want to plateau, you want to maintain. And yeah, and then you can ease into other uh, avenues like you did with the boxing and, uh, you know, that's really good. Uh, the one thing that I've always learned is to, if you have those fundamentals, it's so easy to capitalize on people's mistakes. And I see guys that just sometimes, you know, just they have their hands like crazy or whatever, just way low or whatever the case may be. And I, I think it falls on deaf ears, but I've been emphatic with people that even amateurs, even people with very little training, I mean, comparatively, can capitalize on that and yeah. and knock you out. That just happened, what, a few months ago, Joe, with uh, with the, when Askren got knocked out by Jake Paul or one of the Paul brothers, whichever one. I mean, come on. So this is – that should be etched in everybody's mind. 
that you have to know. You have to keep your hands up. You have to move right. Your footwork, your your stance, like Russell said, move your one foot. All of this makes a difference, not just in fighting, but in all sports or all activities, even shooting pool. Sometimes it's a matter of your stance, because if your stance is off, your aim is off, and then everything else is off. So, um, and, you know, Joe saw me open up on somebody on a pool table last weekend, so he knows what I'm talking about there. Uh, it's all fundamentals. So I urge everyone out there, no matter what discipline you're doing, learn the fundamentals as long as your discipline is of a high, high level to begin with, you know, and that's a made up cramp, you know? Um, yeah. That's so important. You say to people all the time, huh? we say to people all the time when it comes to boxing, any combat sport, if your feet are in the right place, things start to kind of work for you. And you see, most people, when they teach boxing, they start people with their hands. When I teach people how to box or striking, I start with their feet. Absolutely. Because if, if your feet are wrong, it doesn't matter how good your hands are. Because, <laughs> you know, I make it a, an extreme silly example to make a point. If my feet are pointing over this way, you can just hit me. So an extreme silly example to make a point. If my feet are that badly wrong, it doesn't matter how good my hands are. But if my feet are good and I've got the right angle on you, then I've got a much better chance of winning because I can land my strike when the other guy can't. So we start with the feet. You've you got to have your balance, your distance, and then you can build your timing from there. And then if your feet are right, your strikes will land better and your strikes will be harder and they'll be faster. Well, and to piggyback, <coughs> excuse me, when you're on the ground, it's your hips. Where are your hips? And so many people love to be on their knees, which that right away shows me now they're not at a high level because that puts your hips out of position, right? It also slows you down because you can't extend your legs and you can't get your, your toes to help you move and accelerate and get that momentum so you can accelerate. So on the feet, yes, where are, when you're standing up, where are your feet? When, when it's on the ground, I'm like, where are your hips? Because your hips, it's all about using your hips to control and controlling his or her hips. Uh, and th this is, it's turned out to be high science because 99% of the people out there just don't, they don't get this concept. And it's really simple, but when nobody sees it and they're too bullheaded to change their ways, then it becomes high science. It's like, okay, you know, you, you don't have, you, you don't have it all there. So, yeah, it, it's just simple, simple stuff sometimes. And then you you work from there, you know. Joe, what yeah. are your thoughts? Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're on a bad foundation, everything else is, is weaker. So, um, and yeah, it starts with the footwork, uh, your stance, and, and, and it goes from there, of course. i got to mute myself here, but I see that Nico has joined us. Hello, hey. Nico. Hello, guys. Hello, Russell. How do you go? So, yeah, uh, since Joe's muted, muted, so, yeah, the bottom line is it's all about stance. So you have balance, you have a lower center of gravity, and you're able to move. It's all fighting any sport, really. It's about transportation. you got to be able to move your body to and fro in different angles. And the same on the ground. 
if you're on your knees, you cannot get the pinning pressure. You cannot get the explosiveness. You cannot move uh, consistently uh, the way it needs to be. When I'm on my knees on the ground, it's because I'm taking it easy on the opponent or I'm setting a trap, right? But it's when I'm, when I'm explosive and I'm spinning around and moving and you don't know where I'm coming from, it's all because I'm not on my knees and I'm able to move. Same like on your feet, you know, and, and Russell can elaborate on this, but just being on your feet properly isn't enough. You have to be on the balls of your feet, not on your heels, you know, where you're flat footed and, and you move, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like a slug, you know, you want to be on your toe, on the balls of your feet, on your toes, light on your feet, and just, you know, able to bebop around just like sprinters. Now we're in the Olympic year. The Olympics are coming up in less than a month. Sprinters, I should, I wish I had my track shoes here. They're down in the basement. There are no spikes on the heels of the track shoe. It's all on the ball, balls of the feet because you don't want to be on your heels. You want to be boom, boom, fast. This isn't a marathon and fighting shouldn't be a marathon. You should look at it as a quick, explosive way, especially in self-defense. You want to get this thing over with as quickly as possible. Uh, so that means having your whole, just simple physics. And again, I just, I keep harping on it and I will never stop harping on it. People generally just don't get it. They're still doing stuff lazy and improper. And, you know, it's, it sucks, you know. Well, there's, there's so many instructors, teachers, coaches, whatever you want to call them, don't actually understand the physics behind a stance, a punch, right. a grab, a takedown, a hold down. They don't understand the physics behind it at all. They might understand the technique fairly well, maybe, but they probably can't explain why that technique works and take those same principles of physics and apply them to something else. They only know it for that technique and maybe a different technique or whatever. But the lack of depth of understanding I often find quite alarming. Yeah, and you and, and people tend when you when you come from a strict sport uh, uh, world, be it straight boxing, straight judo, straight wrestling, whatever, you tend to get tunnel vision because you're so focused on that and you don't worry about like for example, a wrestler would or a boxer would never have to worry about being taken down. A wrestler would, you know, never have to worry about being punched out or, or even submitted. So you, you tend to close your mind to those avenues. But when you're doing all in stuff, you know, street fighting or just any kind of true combat sport where, you know, the, the rules are more generous, uh, you, you have to alter your thinking. And therefore, what work, let's say, in the sport of boxing, I'm not going to say it doesn't work in an all in fight, but it has to be modified. And it has to yeah. be modified in the appropriate way. And that's where uh, things tend to uh, sometimes fall apart. And especially, we've discussed this many times, when, when you're, getting specific, you're getting specific grappling training from teacher A, boxing from teacher B, kickboxing from teacher C, it doesn't mesh because you know, everybody has to be on the same page. Or you have to find an instructor like yourself or myself that knows all these ranges very well and can teach you all of it. And that's, that's the difficult part for a lot of people because, um, you know, many schools, there's not like a, a proliferation of these types of schools. So sometimes people just have to go with what's close or what's economically feasible, or they go to a school that has the right hours that they can do it. So 
they end up not getting the bigger picture. Yeah, I, I always think it's a problem with instructors, you know, that I've seen it all around the world, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. They reach a point in their training where they've got very good at their chosen art, whatever it may be, shoulder cat, BJJ, whatever it is. But then they don't really want to learn anymore. They don't want to be a white belt again. So they don't try and learn other stuff correctly or properly. So they spend the next 10 years repeating year four or year five or whatever. And then the next 10 years repeating year four. So they don't grow. And all of that, those 10, 15, 20 years they've done of that, they've been wasting their time. They could have learned so much more and, and not to the denigration of what they've already got. They would probably have enhanced it by learning other things. Boxing enhances your karate and vice versa. It enhances your judo, your BJJ and vice versa. So if you know one, it's time to learn something else and take the principles that you understand, apply them to the other one and vice versa with that one. And that way you can really grow and really start to understand your art or more importantly, how your body works. Because if you understand how it works from a martial perspective, from a combat perspective, you can pick up other arts pretty quick because you understand how the body works, which you explained to me in your DVDs and everything for years and years and years. You explained why stuff works, how it works. And I bet a pound to a pinch, so many people have listened to it, but not, not taken any notice. They just look at the technique and go, yeah, we do that. And, and we have a saying, it might look the same, but it ain't. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's their loss. I mean, what do you, I hate to say it crudely, but it is, it's, it's their loss. You know, they're, yeah. they're just, I, you, you can only do so much, right? So, yeah. uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it is beating a dead horse, but it's only beating a dead horse if you don't, if you don't take the advice and change and start to get better. So it's just like lifting weights, you know, everybody, there's a million different routines out there, but the bottom line is you have to lift properly with good technique, good form. And, you know, you have to make progressive, like it's called progressive resistance. So you start to get stronger and stronger and stronger or fitter and fitter and fitter. Well, it's the same with this, you know, this is progressive resistance in a different way. You have to progressively resist against the temptation to get lazy. You got to progressively resist against the temptation to look for shortcuts. And most importantly, you have to progressively resist from watching all these people that think they're world-class experts on YouTube that come up with, uh, that they're trying to reinvent the wheel and they may come up with something that looks interesting, but it's certainly not practical. So just get on the right path stick with it and, you know, resist all the urges to cut corners. You know, you can't we, cut corners. We had a very simple one when we were doing your stuff. We would do it the normal way, if you like. And then we say, right, we would all do it in your accent as well. Right. <laughs> right. Let's do it Tony's way now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then we do it your way and we go, boy, that hurts like shit. So that's the right one then, because it hurts a lot more. And we had the same principle with everything. Does it hurt a lot more? Yeah, no, that's better then. Was it easier to put on? Yeah, well, that's better then. Did it take less effort for more result? Yeah, 
that's better then. Could you have done it even lighter and still got just as much pain or more pain on the guy who's still resisting? Yeah, well, that's the right way of doing it then. Because I can add the power in later. If I can do it without loads of power, then I must be doing something pretty good, especially if the other guy's resisting. So that's how we did it with your stuff. We would keep looking at it and going, right, does it hurt more? Yeah, does it hurt more now? Yes, no, whatever. And it was like that, follow the flow chart. <laughs> it keeps hurting, <laughs> keep doing it. Simple as that. Because we know how the body works. So when you're saying something like, take a 45 on that arm, make sure it's misaligned, make sure the head and neck's misaligned, make sure your weight's on them. We knew what you meant. So yeah. we would make sure the head and neck's misaligned, make sure their arm's at 45 and blah, 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 and, all, and things started to hurt a lot. So, And if it hurts a heck of a lot more, it must be right. And remember, you wouldn't have been able to pick any of that up if you were speaking German. Think good about point. Good point. Uh, yeah, but the whole point here, though, is, you know, we, it seems that we always end up harping on this, but it's because something's on the internet that makes the rounds that is like terrible guys, you know, getting all this uh, celebrity for doing things improperly. And, you know, it just kind of reinforces to people, well, look, look how Joe Blow did it. You know, he had his hands down he did this, and he made a million dollars. Well, it's entertainment. Okay. Um, it, it's not the righteous way of, of doing it. You look at established sports like baseball, football, there's technique and there's professionals. There's one quarterback uh, in the NFL just got drafted and the new coaches for his team are working on his uh, delivery. Okay. He made it all the way through, you know, probably pop Warner football, high school football, college football. Now he made it to the pros and they're like, you got to work on your technique. You know, you, there's something wrong with your delivery. This is world-class, okay? This is what I'm trying to get at. I don't care where you came from, what your pedigree is, you may have things that you need to work on. They still may not be perfect or, or close to perfect. And you have to, it's all about ego. And you know that, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Russell, about masters in one style don't want to relearn stuff. They don't want to be white belts. That's ego. So you've got to take your ego out of it, and you have to start from from scratch. You have to start from square one uh, sometimes. And that's something that a coach – that's something that's within you. You have to sit there yourself and say, hey, I, I want to humble myself, and I want to get better, as, a, as opposed to just surrounding yourself in a giant circle jerk with everybody else that's, you know, doing it at, not at the highest level. Break away. Have the guts to do that. Well, that's the beauty of boxing and things like that and, and catch because uh, you, you get hit. <laughs> you can't say, I'm this level. I'm just, Come on, let's have a quick spar then and then find out that you're at this level. Whereas in, in, in a lot of martial arts, you can talk up here and nobody will ever find out because you, you never have to prove anything. Whereas yeah, well, things like boxing and catch and any combat sport, it's well, come on, just get on the mat, get in the ring, whatever. And you, know, you don't even have to go that hard. You can just, you can still prove to yourself. And so this is why I think that there's a lot of all that fakery and all that sort of stuff out there because people don't have to prove it. They can talk that, oh, this technique's great, but when people believe it and they don't have to prove it. 
Whereas your stuff, it's very provable, isn't it? It's that simple. Try it then. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you're getting into the self-defense aspect, you may never get a second chance to redeem yourself. You can't learn on the job with that. You know, whereas let's say a boxing or an MMA match or wrestling match, you can learn as you go and, and you can reflect on that. And say, okay, next match will be better. I'll work on this. Yeah. But in a street fight, you know, there may not be another match. You know, and that, yeah. that's the scary part. So yeah. um, you have to really be prepared. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, you're going to win every street fight. It depends on four-on-one, five-on-one, weapons, whatever. But yeah. I think the, be- the better prepared you are, you know, uh, obviously your, your, your chances of success are extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, this is why we do so much hard training and always have is because the way we figure it is that Joe Bloggs, who likes to have a punch up on a Saturday night after he's had eight or nine beers, more than likely isn't doing the sort of training that you're doing. More than likely isn't working really hard in the gym every day and sparring loads of rounds and learning proper technique and everything else. So, you know, the, the Saturday night thug, the Saturday night drunken bully type guy shouldn't really be that much of a problem. And that's the vast majority that people are going to come up against. But, the, you know, that sort of thing, my, my mindset on it all is that if you're training, you should be very, very confident that you can, without being overconfident, of course, but very, very confident that you're going to dispose of them pretty quick because... You're used to people throwing punches at you day in, day out. You're training really hard. They're drinking. You're sober. And you can hit hard. <laughs> you shouldn't really have much of a problem, you know? And people do go to sleep pretty quick when you get knuckle on bone. Yeah. Well, let's get Nico in on this. How are you doing, Nico? How's uh, Happy Fourth of July? Hey, happy Fourth to you guys. So, Russell, I, I got a question for you. When, when you guys are training, I remember you talking about how you're aiming for, aiming for pressure points and accuracy. Is there anything you do with your guys? Like, are you guys actually aiming for pressure points when you're sparring? Yeah. Or is that just, is that just like in technical training? There you go. I'll say it like this, right? This is the analogy I use. Let's say you lot... You're all in America, aren't you? So you can go and get a gun, go down a range and shoot. When you go to the shooting range, do you just walk in and go bang, 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 like that? And then go, oh, you don't need to aim at the target, do you? What, you're supposed to aim at it? Well, of course you're supposed to aim at it. Same when you're striking. You've got to aim at something. So we say... You know, these are the various targets. That's the bullseye. There's another bullseye. There's another bullseye. When you're fighting, aim for the bullseye. And then you hear all these other people say things like, oh, you're lucky just to be able to hit the head in a fight. I go, well, yeah, you are, because that's all you train for. You're just training to hit a great big target. If you aim small, you're going to miss small. If you aim big, you miss big. You if you train to hit something that you're aiming at, you've got a good chance of hitting it. This is why, again, people on the heavy bag, most of them are just idiots. They're just hitting the bag. There's no aiming. 
when people are doing pads, they're doing pads wrong because the pad guy is meeting them and the pad guy is doing all the work and they're not aiming. And then when they get to shadows, they do the shadows wrong. They're not visualizing anything. They're just throwing punches and trying to look good. And then when they go and spar, they're not training to hit certain places. They're just throwing punches again. And this is why they're not very accurate. You get the odd one, decent fighters who do train for a little bit more accuracy and they can hit what they're aiming at. But most people aren't even aiming. And then they say, it's difficult to hit something small. Well, yeah, it is for you because you've never trained it. You're an idiot. No offense to the idiots. <laughs> but it's true. If you train it, you can do it. If you don't train it, you're not going to do it. I, can't, I don't know how to make it more simple for people to understand. Yeah, and they go, oh, you, you try it in a pressure point, only that big. Yeah, they're only, that, only like the size of a pen nib. But the area of activation is the size of my fist. So if I can land my fist on your jaw, I've got a good chance of it working, haven't I? Yeah. That's simple. And then people have got to understand things like angle and direction. They have no problem. If, if Tony said, to make this lot work, you've got to go at 45 degrees and down in that direction, people would go, yeah, I understand that because it's a lot and it's going against there. When you say when you hit them, hit them there and put it down at that direction for the best effect. People go, oh, what's the how can direction work on a strike? Oh, well, duh. Right? Of course it, it helps. Hitting down, you're going with gravity one, but the, the body is weak in certain directions, if you like, as a golden rule. Right? If you hit down on the front of the body, it hurts a lot more than hitting up. I say people, Test it. Don't take my word for it. Make yourself strong. Strengthen up your stomach as hard as you possibly can and take a few shovel hooks or uppercuts into the bot, into the gut. You'll take them all day long. Then do cut the power right down and then punch down on the gut. People are dropping. Yet everybody in striking teaches to do shovel hooks that go up or uppercuts that go up to the body. I teach my hooks to drop down on the body because it's more debilitating. It just works. And it's little things like that that work that we train and drill and get people to do. And I prove it every single time. And that I let people hit me in the body, in or in and up, as hard as they want. I'll do it back and I'll go, right, I'll cut the pain out. And I'm hitting about as hard as you'd knock on a door if you really wanted to wake somebody up down on their body to show them the difference and they're killed up on the floor. And then they go, yeah, but can you do that in a fight? Fuck's sake. <laughs> if you can land one, you can land the other, can't you? You muppet. Yeah, I, I go mean, through that with the grip. Instead of grabbing yeah. the arm here, you, let's say you grab it here. They make like, like this is like an impossibility Wow, watch, watch Simone Biles do some gymnastics. Now, that's an impossibility, which she's doing is amazing. But like you say, instead of going like this, you're, you're yeah. going to come down here. It, this, yeah. is, this is adjustment. This is simple shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then people argue it. And I go, hold on. You've done it 20 years that way, and nothing fucking works. You do it 10 minutes like this, and it works 10 times better. And then you argue. <laughs> What's wrong with you? How much more dumb? I remember on one of yours, Tony, you're talking about a grab, and I just remember it that the, you was grabbing, 
right? And I'm trying to do it on my own arm. But yeah. you were coming underneath like this. And yeah. you were grabbing this way around so you could rotate it, which was taking right. all the alignment out of their arm. And I said to people, you see, once the alignment's gone, the strength is gone. And they go, yeah, but you can't grab like that. You've just done it. What do you mean you can't grab like that? Oh, you're supposed to grab like it's more. It's easier to grab this way than it is to grab that way. You can't win with these people. That's why they're going to, hey, as long as people train like that, we'll be able to whoop their ass even before 80, 90 years old. You know, so <laughs> they're, they're doing us a favor in a way. But, uh, yeah, they don't get it. But the, the good ones, the intelligent ones, and the people who really want to get to be the best in the world, they get these principles. They're like, yep, we're going to do what Russell says or what Tony says or what somebody else that understands the principles says. Yeah. You know, well, I always say to people, don't take my word for it. I could be lying. I'm not, but I could be. So try it and see what it works like. See if it's more painful. See if it's easier to do. See if you hit harder. And every time they hit harder or it's more painful or it's easier to do, they go, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, oh we do that in our art. Well, clearly not, because you weren't doing it when you got here. Or, right. you know, these are the sort of things we get all the time. But then you get the ones who truly understand, who go, got it. So I can do, and I can apply the same for this, 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 this. Yes, off you go. And it, yeah. Because we would look at your stuff years ago and we go, that's how we explain it you know, for, for, from a striking perspective or a different angle or whatever. When you think about different angles to take and which way the weight should go and which, which angle you should be going at and how you misalign something and why you misaligning it, and what happens to their balance, what happens to their strength. And we go, that's how we explain it. That's, what, that's how we do it. That's how we explain it. Obviously not on the grappling side because we, we didn't know that bit, but we understood what you were saying. Mm -hmm. so it was very quick and easy to pick up because it made sense it was obvious well that's <laughs> got to be right because it's following fundamental principles of physics and body dynamics and body mechanics right it's 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 all about leverage and yeah body mechanics and just you know and once you start like say grabbing like this or hitting like this it becomes easy once you do this repetitiously it's second nature now uh i don't want to mention the guy's name because i don't want to embarrass him but there was a professional fighter high 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 level that used to come for training and i used to tap him out so much so quickly that he said please no more i don't want to spar with you by just grabbing the right way and before i even got the lock all the way on he was tapping out okay yeah, yeah. so and it, it's unbelievable that people still just don't get it. But like I said, they're never going to amount to, to, to what they could, okay? They might, might get good in their own little circle, yeah. but they're, they're never going to be as good as they possibly could or take it to the highest levels. And for them, for many, it's probably okay because as long as they're the rock star in their little garage band, they're fine. But there's some that want to get on the stage at, you know, Madison Square Garden or Yankee Stadium or somewhere, and that's another level. And that's where I want everybody to be, at that highest level. And it, it's, it just takes work just like anything else. If you spent four years learning to do it the, the, the less practical way, then, then put the time in to do it the right way, the better way. 
you know, pay for the debt. This is what gets me, right? Example, your like this one, right? This lock. Yeah. The top wrist lock. Doing it your way, it just works. End of story, that's it. Most people are tapping before you've even got the lock on. And you, and you, your power levels that you're doing are, are so much lower than you'd have to do doing it another way. Not to say that you don't use power, but you don't need the power. You're sparring, you're training, you don't need the power. You, you can put the power in when it's a real fight or a self-defense situation. But we were finding that even at really low power levels, doing it your way, we were getting people with it like that, yeah. right? Doing it the normal way, it would, you'd have to be putting all your power back in. So I'm going, well, obviously, <laughs> the one with the least power has got to be the right one. And then you're still getting idiots going, ah, yeah, but you know, you've got to put power in. Okay. No, you put it in when you need to. You don't need it on this one. And that's the sort of argument you get with it. And then you get people saying, no, you've got to learn it this way first. And then once you're, once you're a black belt, you can start to do it the other way. So I go, well, that's absolutely banal, ridiculous, moronic sort of thing I've ever heard. Why don't you just do it the right way from day one? Absolutely. And, yeah. And it's the same with striking. People were learning a certain way and then they were told, once you get to black belt, we'll change it completely. And you go, well, what's the fucking point of getting to black belt then? Why don't you just start doing it the right way from day one? So it, it, that's the sort of thing that annoys me. So that's why we, go, we just say to people, do it right from day one and everything kind of fits into place for you and you get real good real quick. And it's the same with your stuff, isn't it? I mean, I say, our guys were all proof of the pudding on that. Three to six months of doing it your way, you know, smashing people who've done 10, 15 years of grappling and whatever it was. Just smashing them. Easy. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, because it, it's the best, you know. Um, but the thing about the top wrist lock, one of the good things about it, and I never even told about any of my students is, let's say you're at a restaurant, you're with your friends, you had a nice dinner, Dinner's over. The waitress is on her way with the check. You go up to one of your students and say, now show me what the hand position is for the top wrist lock. And they go like this, and the waitress hands them the check. See, that's good. That's another yeah. use for the top wrist lock. People don't yeah. think about it. It makes you pick people, up the box. People just don't apply it in everyday situations. <laughs> but, but, they, but, but they should, okay? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's great when we when we have these kind of thorough discussions and stuff. But yeah, I love. Oh, Nico, you didn't you missed the part where um we launched. I launched the membership site on the first, so we were pumping that up to you know to join the monthly membership uh, thing, and hopefully that'll pick up. And of course, we'll be talking about tips like this and ideas on that membership site. Um, so once again, yeah, I urge people to, to do that. And, you know, so Russell, another thing about you, see, you have this kind of science mind that, uh, you know, it's a shame in a way that you're not here in the States, you know, and more people can train with, with, with you just to get all of that kind of knowledge, you know, the, the, the physics behind it. So many people just, they don't have the physics. You do, you have that knowledge. 
But again, it's one of those ones of like, I always think if you're going to be a teacher of something, you should understand your subject. It's that simple. And, you know, I've been very, very fortunate over the years to meet some outstanding people, you know, like yourself and Harold and Rick and Tom and a few others that are outstanding people and truly understand their subject and more, obviously, but they understand it at such a deep level that you just think to yourself, that's what you've got to do. You've got to have that depth of understanding if you're going to be a teacher. You can't be, you know, a teacher at university if you've only got, I'll do it for Americans. If you've got a 10th grade education, you can't be teaching at university, can you? Right. you, you and, and a lot of martial artists really have just got to black belt or whatever, and they haven't really got a thorough understanding of their art. They haven't got a thorough understanding of how the body works and, and, and all those other things. So how are they going to teach it properly? They can only do monkey see, monkey do teaching. And they, they can't explain how or why something works. And to my mind, if you're going to teach something, you've got to be able to answer that question of why. And it, you know, kids ask the best questions. You know, why is the sky blue? Why is grass green? Why, 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 why? And people should be able to answer those sort of questions. Why is that punch more powerful? Why, why do you misalign it? Why is their balance gone? Why are you at 45? Why are you not at 90 degrees? Why do you need leverage? Why do you need a base? Why do you need a fulcrum? Why, all of these things, we should be able to answer them. And the vast majority of instructors, I'm sad to say, can't. Or they can only answer at a very superficial level. And I think that it's, it's wrong. If you're going to teach, you should understand it thoroughly. And you should be able to explain all of those elements of it. So I made it a, a thing you know, where I've got to understand it. I want to know because I've got an inquisitive mind. Why does it work? <clears throat> Why is that working better than that? I want to be able to work that out for myself instantly rather than have to ask people all the time. So uh, to me, it seemed like the only way to do that was to truly, truly understand it. So research it and put the time and effort into learning. Because then, like you, for example, Tony, your stuff, you can take something that's super complicated, that top wrist lock, to actually do it properly, it's super complicated what's going on. But you can explain it so that well, even I understood it. Hmm. So it became simple to understand. And that to me is the art of teaching, isn't it? That you take something that's super complicated and make it easy for people to understand. Yeah, there are some people in all walks of life that they can't teach, they, or at least they say they don't. But, you know, you get, they're very skilled, very, very skilled. And I think, well, they know what they're doing because they're doing it properly. So at one point in time, they learned it. So either they never wanted to process the information or they're, I don't want to say lazy, but they're just not articulate enough to explain themselves. Um, and then there's just some people out there that just won't tell you, okay? They just kind of want to keep it secret. In the pool world, you know, uh, it was like that where for years, nobody wanted to tell your secrets, their secrets. You had to watch, watch, watch. and lose money to, you know, to 
you know, to, to play with them, to see how they were doing things. Um, it's called yeah, investing in your education, isn't it, when you lose yeah, it, 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 it was. And, you know, you're playing for 5, 10, 20 bucks a game, whatever it is. You know, this is, yeah, this is investing in your education with somebody who's not even willing to share their knowledge. It's all on you to decipher. So that's, again, getting back to something like this with this membership thing, 10 bucks a month. You're not going to have to decipher anything. We're, you know, we're going to give it to you step by step. So I don't know how much more convenient it can be for anybody. Um, but yeah, in my day and age, you know, <clears throat> I had to travel to to uh, to learn. Joe knows all about this because <clears throat> I want Joe to get in on this a little bit and discuss last weekend. Um, so Joe knows exactly what I went through. Uh, it's no longer me telling him he was cast in it. You know, thanks to my friend Scott, who watched my mother last weekend, for the first time in years, I got to get away for a few days. And Joe and I went back to Cleveland, my hometown. We got to see everything, okay, where I went to school, every school I went to, my neighborhood, you name it, okay, where where, where Rodvon lived, where Rodvon was buried, uh, where I started boxing, uh, where some of the boxing coaches hung out. Um, most of it is vacant lots now, but not all. But anyway, Joe can elaborate on that. And, you know, it, and then we ran into a, a great character, pool hustler that also knew Stanley Rodvon, which, wow. Okay. What are the odds of that? So um, yeah, it's, it's, if you want to be good at anything, I don't care what it is, you have to put in some effort. You just can't make everything so damn convenient it pisses me off because people just want, you know, convenience. Like there was some guy that emailed me a few months ago about, are you teaching in Chicago now? No, this was still when the COVID was going on. I'm like, but I'm teaching out of my house. You know, I used to do once a week in, in Andersonville, which is a section of Chicago, but not now. His response was, well, if you ever get back to Andersonville, let me know. This is a guy that I have zero interest in training. None. Absolutely none. I would never train him if he's the last person on earth. Because he doesn't, he wants everything convenient for him. He doesn't want to work hard. He doesn't want to put in the effort. No, you want to learn? You come to my house. You can learn. He could have been learning already for the last couple of months, you know. So I will not kiss anybody's ass. You know, you have to show some sort of dedication. Shit, I just had a guy, you know, Matthew from uh, uh, Washington State come out here. He's in the United States Army. He flew out here. You flew out here. So many people travel. Nico was traveling, you know, an hour and a half uh, to, or more, two, two and a half hours to come out here to train because you, you people want to learn. Joe comes an hour and a half to learn. No big deal. It's worth it. So yes. when people tell me they don't want to do that, don't even bother emailing me anymore. You're, you're gone. Okay. No chance of training with me, period. So, um, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's sad that there's just people out there in all walks of life that don't want to you know, put in the effort to even, you know, even something, you know, it, it like, you know, like I said before, Jerry Sigler was taking a Greyhound bus once a month from Cleveland to Chicago and then transferring to Chicago to get over to Skokie. Sammy Capero was flying once a month from Chicago to Hollywood, LA and, and his music lesson in Hollywood and flying back the same night. Now think about how much that cost in the seventies and the distance. And they were doing it. So, yeah, I don't have time for people that, that are lazy. 
Sorry for my rant. But go I, ahead. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds, dollars, blah, blah, traveling around, going training with people, meeting people, flying here, there, and everywhere just to try and learn and expand and everything else. And sometimes it's been a complete waste of time. <laughs> sometimes it's been the best thing I've ever did. You know, I've met some amazing people and met some people, you know, all right. Like, it, was worth, it was worth spending the money to find out I needn't have gone sometimes. It's like with this Tri-C program of mine. I don't know. Now, there is no excuse because you yeah. can train in your house. You could train at your local gym. And are you too lazy to even do that? Or when you're saying, oh, I got to find a training partner. Dude. You can't even do that much. I mean, what do you want me to do? You know, do you want me to clone people and send them to your house too? I mean, God damn, these people some, need. Some, some people, you could be open twenty four seven, and it's not a convenient right, time. Right, right. So I cut <laughs> these people out of my life. No more excuses, okay? There's no more excuses. You know, for the membership or the tri C or whatever it is, just do it. All right. Quit bitching and moaning, constantly whining. You know, just. Do it. It cannot be more convenient. There's nothing more convenient. You know, so Joe, you can kind of tell them just how the hell I had to get around in Cleveland uh, just to train. Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, it was it was a significant car ride. Um, I mean, completely different neighborhoods. And you were doing it via bus, you know, and during the winter. I mean, we had, like I said, it was pretty cushy for us, you know, driving around in a rental car in the summer. And it was still, I mean, it was a completely different neighborhood. So, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I get a really appreciation. I mean, seeing a lot of that firsthand um, really kind of just brought the story to life. A lot of the, the things that, you know, I've heard you talk about over the years, but seeing things firsthand and getting a, appreciation. And then, yeah, actually running into Fast Eddie. I mean, I think we'll have to do a whole separate podcast okay, about him and stuff. But that was the great thing. Just, yeah another guy who, you know, just kind of corroborated all the stories and said, Oh yeah, you know, I grew up in that or not, I grew up in there, but I lived in that area. And actually he, I think he ran a bar there for a time and Rod Vaughn would come in there and it was just kind of cool to hear his perspective and hear his stories about it. Um, but no, and it was, like I said, for me, it was, it was very enlightening kind of to go through that experience to see it. And it, it meant a lot to kind of, you know, it filled in a lot of gaps in my, my kind of, uh, mental picture of the narrative, just how close you were to like St. Casimir's, you know, like it was right, kind of right around the corner. I just, like I said, once you've been somewhere, it kind of it helps tie together for me, the, like the picture of the stories. So uh, I only wish I could have uh, been there when he was still around. Obviously that was, you know, way before I think I'd even heard of the term catch, but um, no, yeah, I think it was a, a great privilege and an honor, honestly, to honestly get to pay our respects. I think that to me kind of was the worth the cost of the, the trip alone just to be able to do that uh, at his gravesite. And I think we should probably post some of those pictures too at some point. Yeah, we'll do a separate podcast on that. But thank you. We, 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 we made it to the cemetery. And sadly, this that whole weekend, I didn't feel good. My stomach was all messed up. But, you know, we couldn't, we found the section or the, how is it, the lot? Or no, we found the section, we couldn't find the lot. And then Joe was doing his, you know, stalking. And he found the grave, which was awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it was great that you could do that. And, you know, especially like with the Fast Eddie, you know, corroborating and telling his take on uh, certain things regarding Rod Von and his pressure points, 
as well, speaking of what Russell with the pressure points, but the pressure points in the hand. And we'll get into this on another podcast, but let me just say this. This guy, Eddie, was a pool hustler. And, you know, so him and I shot some pool as well. But he was a, he's, a, he's older than me. He's probably around late 60s or 70. But he was telling the story to Joe and I about when Ravon would come in there and, and just press his palm with his strength and with the pressure points. And Eddie told us, just, he had me in tears. Ravon had me in tears every time he would do it. So this is, his level of ability was so much more than any martial artist on planet Earth right now, grappler, anyone. I don't care if I offend people. I've seen all of you people. I've seen what you can do. And some of you are very gifted. You haven't seen what Ravon can do. It, it was at such a different level that you can't compare. There's just really no, it's like the, the great Babe Ruth or, you know, Mike Trout or, uh, you know, Barry Bonds at his height compared to a little leaguer. That's, there's, that's the gap. It's huge. So when you have strangers like that, just, I mean, he lit up, Joe, you know that. He was so excited to talk about that because it, it was just, it was just, it was great, you know, talking about him bending the coins and snapping shit. And, uh, but yeah, it's, I'm privileged and, you know, very, very blessed. And, you know, that's just all I can say. And, um, it, it I just, again, wish people would take advantage of the knowledge that I have that you cannot get anywhere on earth from nobody, no matter where, no matter what their heritage is, no matter what their lineage is, you can't get this level of knowledge from any other human being unless they were trained by me, like Javier or Costa or somebody. Outside of them, you can't get it. You can't. So, I don't know. We say to people all the time, if you want to learn properly, get Tony's stuff. End of story. That's it. That's it. Okay. Yep. When people came down to our gym and they had 15 years, 10 years, 12 years, 20 years in whatever the grappling art was that they did, and then they were getting smashed up by people who'd done three to six months of us lot just watching your stuff and then translating it from the, uh, from the mafia talk to normal English. Hey, well, hey. Hey, you, you hey forget it. about it. <laughs> There's Italians all over this planet. But, <laughs> not, in England, not in England like that, you see. So we all speak properly. So anyway, so we would, I would translate for everybody. And then <laughs> we, <laughs> we would train it. But then when these people came down, they're getting smashed up. It, it, it just shocked them. And I, my guys were just sort of like, well, we just do Tony's stuff. You go, what? And that's it. And it, There's a bit of a conspiracy for real in that many martial arts schools, they won't allow anything but their style. You're not allowed to do much stuff in their gym. We all know this, okay? That this is because, again, they want a circle jerk. They want to be, you know, the, the big fish in the small pond. You start introducing this other stuff. Well, then that instructor has to train with me. He's got to come out here. He's got to get certified. He's got to put in the years to get there. And, you know, they don't want to do that. So it's it's like, um, and Rodvon actually used to say this about uh, just other wrestlers. 
uh, not necessarily martial artists because there wasn't any of this back then. They want to just, they're the masters. Rob used to say about some of these pro wrestlers, he says, they have a technique down far better than you'll ever have. And I'm like, what technique is that? Because I wanted to learn it. He's like, burying their head in the sand. They're masters of burying their head in the sand. So when a hotshot wrestler would come along, they didn't want to deal with that. They just ignored that. Uh, you know, it's just a uh, performance, right? It was all a performance. So they don't care that the guy could do doubles or, you know, maybe could do some hooks a little bit here or there. Nah, they don't need, they, they, they turn their backs to that. And that's what happens today in many uh, different schools. They just bury their head in the sand. They, they don't want to deal with somebody that could do something better than them. They just want to ignore it. And they feel, let's say in my case, oh, Tony's 2,000 miles away. I'll never have to run into him. So I don't have to worry about it. And if my students come in here wanting to learn this stuff, well, it's my school. They're not going to do it. So that happens a lot because I've been told that, you know, through the 20 some odd years that I've been on the 25 years, I've been on the internet longer, actually 27 years. Um, I've gotten emails about this all the time, you know, and some of my students have gone to gyms and right away when they start tapping people out, nope, nope, you can't do that. You can't do that. But you know what? There's no excuse. If you want to learn, just do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you got to tend, tend to argue because they had years of grappling in some whatever. And they say, oh, can we do X? And they do what you want. Yeah. Are we allowed to do blah, blah, blah? Do what you want. Are we allowed to do this? Thing? Do what you want. Just do it. Don't matter. I said, you know, yep. we're not here to kill each other. But if you want to do it, do it. And they couldn't understand how it was just so open. And we say to people, yeah, if you, the way you do it is better than the way we do it, I'm going to nick it. Yeah, but at least give credit. You know, like I tried to give credit. I got this move. Somebody showed me this, or this was this, and Rod Vaughn's way, or Luthez way. Um, but my whole deal is there's no excuse anymore for not doing the Tri-C program. I will not listen to another excuse, okay? There is no excuse because you can learn from your own privacy. And sometimes you don't even need a training partner for a lot of this stuff. Uh, there's no excuse for not joining the membership program. I mean, $10 a month, you know, it, it's like a pay-per-view thing. You know, um, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, so it's people, an IQ test. It's an IQ test. End of story. <laughs> well, it's yeah. just people have their own, you know, thing going, but, um, you know, I cannot do any more. There's nothing more. I mean, I've made it as convenient as humanly possible. There's just nothing more I can do. So, you know, I'm the type of guy, nope, no excuses. You know, I don't, I don't even want to respond to the emails if it's a bunch of excuses. You know, don't bother. You know, um, just do it, and you won't regret it, and you'll be better than anybody that you know that's a grappler if you put in the time and effort. And you'll be a better striker, fighter. You know, it, it, you just can't fail if you put in the effort. You cannot fail if you try. The only way you fail is when you don't try or when you come up with excuses. So you're going to be another one of those masters of burying your head in the sand, like Rod Van said, you know? The thing is, when they, when people are learning the right thing in the right way, they're almost forced to become very, very good, very, very competent. Because if you learn it the right way and you're doing the right thing, you've got to be getting good. It's that simple. But people think that yeah, they, their frame of reference is what they had before. So most people have had 
X amount of years into martial arts and they realize they haven't really learned very much. They don't know much more than when they started. They might know a few cater or forms, patterns, whatever you want to call it. They might know a little bit of graphics, but they actually don't know that much more. And they're probably not much better at defending themselves than they were when they first arrived. So with that background, they sometimes find it difficult to comprehend that what they're getting is actually going to take them to another level and then another level and then another level. So I, I understand why people don't believe it sometimes without experiencing it. But once they've experienced it, they're almost forced to improve, almost forced. It, it's one of those things you just can't help it. You're just going to get better and real quick. So that's why I say to people, if you want to learn all this stuff, get Tony's stuff. It's as simple as that. There was four of us. We didn't know shit about groundwork, shit about grappling or anything like that. No other body works, no all, all that sort of stuff. Blah, blah. And a lot of it is just altered the angle and gravity is a bit different and stuff like that. So I could understand the principles that you were talking about. But I keep saying to people, people didn't believe that we'd only been doing a few months no one would believe us, right? And, and my guys were just, just smashing people. We had a time where people, there was some, I won't mention anybody's names, it's not fair. There was a well-known people came and did their black belt grading at our place. And I had a grading going on for striking. And so these people came down. So I had one guy grading, right? They had about 80. Anyway, these people, not that many, but these people come down. So at my place, so I said, well, we'll just do the grading together. I said, we can help you out with the grappling. If you want, you can help us out with the striking. Do a, you know, send in different people, do a bit of sparring. He won't hurt you. And we can help with the grappling on your side. Our guys smashed all their people taking their black belt. And these were only three to six months of training in doing what? our way of doing your stuff, trying to learn it off watching it. So just so people can understand, three to six months of me looking at Tony's stuff, saying this is how I, what I think he means with it. You don't know, you don't know fully because you haven't got you actually doing it on us. But we know what hurts, right? Well, you know, it's funny because when I started studying jazz accordion with Ronnie Moon, I was 21 years old when I studied with him. And like you say, in about six months, I'm doing all this jazz shit, you know, in, in different bars and stuff. And people were blown away. They're like, how many years have you been playing jazz accordion? I said, I haven't even been playing one year. Okay. I've been playing for like six months because I had a great instructor. I had Ronnie who kept no secrets from me, who, who, who cut out all the bullshit. Right. And taught me about the mathematical principles behind music theory and everything. And then, um, and of course I developed on my own from there. I researched and studied, 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 and you know, dove into it so when you have a coach that's willing to share his secrets that's world-class at what he does <clears throat> and then you're willing to put in the time and effort yeah it you you can make miraculous gains in in months you know and then just think it's a cascading effect too okay it, it, it it's like a ball going a snowball going down a mountain you, you, it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger your knowledge and your skill base gets big and then once you hit the bottom of the mountain then you plateau. And yeah, so once your skills maxed out, you go into maintenance mode, you know, and you maintain your physical skills, 
and you can continue to develop your mental skills. Uh, but this all stems from having a world-class teacher that's willing to cut out all the secrets, okay? Just sharing them with you from the beginning. And I've been blessed with Ronnie Moon, Jerry Sigler, uh, you know, especially, you know, just never holding back. They'll be honest. Well, you're not ready. This is too advanced. Or don't practice that song because it's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, and same with fighting. I could say, yeah, this is good, but don't learn this technique from wrestling because you'll never use it. Uh, even in an MMA competition, let's say, let alone in a street fight. So that's where a good teacher, a knowledgeable world-class teacher comes into play. They've already went through all this shit and they, they know what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, to me, to my mind, it's about just not bothering with stuff that you're never going to use. Yeah. Right. I mean, if, if somebody's a short, stocky squat guy, he's probably not going to do things like jumping, spinning hook kicks. Probably. If he can't lift his leg above his waist, he's probably not going to be doing any of those. Might be better off spending some time doing something else. You know, that's, you know, to make a silly example. But to my mind, it's, it's just about, if you get the, the proper, basic, fundamental stuff right, you can start to get flashy if you want. You know, if you understand, if you understand where your feet should be, and your feet are in the right place, your hands could be down in a boxing match because you know you can't get hit. Right. You might right. Pull them back up when you need, but if but sparring with Errol all the time, for example, he was a master of distance and a master of drawing you in. And people kept saying counter punching is counter punching, counter punching. It wasn't counter punching. You might have punched first and then he hits you afterwards and people say that's a counter punch. I understand why they say that, but it wasn't counter punching. He was punching when you got into his range, which is different to counter punching because he would draw you into his range. You already thought you could land. You threw something, you were out of range. You just didn't know it. Yeah. And then as you threw it, you then got into the range that he wanted you in and then he'd hit you. And then people say that's counter-punching. And Errol and I had these conversations many times. It's not counter-punching. It's hitting when they're in the right place to hit. It's drawing them into the right place. It's understanding distance properly, timing and movement so that you know, you know that you want them to appear just here so you do something that puts them there so that you punch, you can just eat them easy. And, and those sort of things, which are, I suppose you could say, are higher level. But if you're learning that from the very beginning, it's just normal, it's just natural, it's what you do. You, you lure people into a certain area, just like you lure people into traps in, in grappling, you can lure them into traps in, in striking. But if you're doing it from the beginning and learning that from the beginning, is what you should and shouldn't be doing, then it's no longer high level, is it? It's, it's what you do. And so your one person's very high level is somebody else's normal. Your normal way of grappling, Tony, is very high level, that blah, 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 for everybody else because they don't, to them, it, it's super high level in terms of the knowledge. Yes, it is. I understand that. But to you, it's what you teach people from day one. 
So in that respect, it's not high level because you're learning it from day one. But it is high level in terms of the depth of knowledge that goes behind it. And it's the same with that sort of thing in the striking is to understanding those sort of principles is high level, but it's not if you're doing it from day one, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. You know, it's the only way I guess you, you explained it better than I could. Thank you. I have some uh, questions for Russell. So, you know, earlier you, you were mentioning the kind of the directionality of the strikes, like to the abdomen and things. Does that, does some of that at least derive from your traditional martial arts background? Is that you kind of merging that with your, with your boxing or where do, what, how does that, where do you get some of those principles from? Uh, some from martial arts, from, some from the study of traditional Chinese medicine, and then anatomy, physiology, body mechanics, body dynamics, old school boxing, old school pugilism. And then you just, the, the principles of all of those things and, and understanding how and why and where the body is weak, then these techniques start to make sense. And then when you understand some of the history behind stuff, you understand why techniques are done this way because it's safer. If you take Shotokan Karate, for example, it's only been around since the 30s, right? And it was done for school kids. So all of the tech, not all, but a lot of the ways that the techniques are done is to make sure it's safe for the kids. And then we get it in the West and we go, oh, karate is deadly. No, actually, it's not. It's for kids. You're learning the kids' art. But we all kid ourselves. I oh, know it's karate. It's deadly. It's one strike, one kill, and all that sort of ball. But it's the children's version that we've got. So you have to truly understand the history behind it and truly understand the art to find out what the adult's version was. A bit like judo is like the the safe version of old school jujitsu and boxing the sport of boxing is a safe version of pugilism Thai boxing is the safe children's version of Krabby Krabong and all of those sort of things so once you understand that you can then start to peel back the layer so to speak and find out what the adult version was yeah, we catch with Tony, that's the adult version straight away. So what we're trying to do with our stuff is teach the adult version rather than the children's version. I hope that makes sense. Definitely. I think it's interesting. And I guess kind of a follow-up question is clearly you've been influenced by a lot of different styles. Um, could you, I mean, just kind of roughly, do you have like percent, like if you're training someone, I know obviously you've got like a, a, a purely boxing team that you're focusing on, but when you're training people for self-defense or martial arts, what's the, is there kind of roughly like a blend? Like I'm, you know, using, you know, it's like 30% boxing, you know, 30, you know, what's the mix of the style that you consider your style of all of your influences? Yeah. The foundation for me is, is, is boxing because most times in a street fight, it's a punch that finishes it. So, you know, obviously there's exceptions, but the most times you punch somebody in the face hard enough, it's over. So we teach people to hit 
as hard as they possibly can and where to hit first you know when it comes to self-defense stuff you know you obviously you've got all the soft skills and all of that sort of stuff which i say to people you know best thing is not be there if you need to run off who cares doesn't matter but we're talking about then if you can't get away you know cheat but hit them really really hard and if it doesn't work the first punch you are allowed to hit them again so just keep hitting them in the same place as hard as you can and again keeping it real simple just because you know if somebody's only there for a few weeks or whatever keep it simple with the police we keep it real simple you can't teach the pressure point stuff overnight but we say to people look it's this <clears throat> if you keep hitting the same place it hurts. if you just keep prodding yourself like that the first one or two don't do anything but after seven or eight of them it starts to get really bloody annoying and so is the same when you're cracking somebody in the goal even if you're not hitting that hard if you keep hitting them in the same place eventually you'll break through so we just say for self-defense purposes start with boxing hit really hard and aim for the jaw and try and knock them out and keep hitting them in the head if it's somebody who's going to be training with a long time obviously we build up lots of other stuff as well but we start with boxing and we start with understanding the range and how to know where you are so that you're at an angle whereby the other guy has to physically move to try to get to you whereas you don't you can just throw your punch and know that you're going to land and it's to understand just that critical bit alone of where to stand and how to stand so that you can hit them and they can't hit you is it's gold but it only takes a few seconds to learn and understand but you'd be surprised how many people don't even know that you know they really don't even some high level fighters don't understand where they should be stood and how it's it's, it's shocking sometimes shocking well, I got to ask you, like you were saying before, the trajectory of the, the body punch changes yeah. dramatically when you just go on a downward angle. If you go, let, let's say you go for like a jaw strike, are you trying to go on a downward angle or a 45 or what would be the, like the best? Stop, stop the punch down. <clears throat> Boxers know that they should be turning the punch over at the end, you know, so it turns over. When I saw some of Tony's stuff, uh, when you brought up, I think it was the the um, the street fighting one, Tony. I've forgotten the name now. Snap, snap, no tap. The other one. Snap, no tap. Yeah. But you showed on that the way you do your punch and you're turning the hand over. You were turning it over. And I said to people, well, that's how you punch. And then I had boxers say to me, oh, no, you shouldn't punch like that. You shouldn't turn it all the way over like that. I said, no, that's exactly what you should be doing. Like that, and it, that turnover, that that turnover is is going to help you get the right angle. If we're punching on the jaw, ideally, if it drops down, it has a better effect. We we prove to people all the time. I've knocked people out with the end of my finger just going like that on the jaw. When you hit the point properly, you can just go like that. I've knocked them out just doing that. How hard can you hit like that with your finger, the end of your finger, like a woody woodpecker? I say, if that can dizzy you or even knock you out, what's it going to do if I put one on you and really everything I got? 
So wh- where's where's the best point on the jaw? Would it be like under the ear or on the tip of the jaw? What are you aiming for? I'll tell you the Chinese version so that people can look it up themselves as well and show you as well. Right? The best ones is what we in Chinese medicine it's called stomach four just here. Right? So if you think like Fu Manchu mustache, where it okay. comes down on to where the round of the bone is on top, just there. And then we say to people. So what that one does, the, the big muscles in your neck, the sternocleidomastoid muscles in your neck, right? This one, if you just press on it or tap it, it releases those muscles in your neck. So if you sort of keeps in the jaw tight like that and you're trying to turn their head, it's often very difficult to turn somebody's head. But if you touch that point, the head spins. So when you smack it one, not only do you get the effect of the Chinese medicine effect, but you get that reticular shake in the head as well because it spins very quickly. And you, you can knock people out by shaking their head violently. A good smack there in and down 45 degrees, ideally, if it doesn't matter too much, just smack it one because power will take away the need for angle and direction if you hit hard enough anyway. But if you smack it in and down 45, you get the reticular shake and you also get the Chinese medicine thing and you get the the fact that these muscles are released, which enables the head to spin. And when the, if you can hit the head and make it spin, you will get the knockout. Far east, it's really braced and you hit the head and it's solid. It's quite difficult to knock them out. You get more of a bowling over effect with people. It just knocks them sideways. But it's when you, when you can spin that head round, that's when they go to sleep. That's when you get a, a heavy knockout. You look at, uh, people like Tommy Hearns and stuff like that. When he threw his right hand, it chopped right down. It came in that arc right down. There's a great one where he knocked out Pepino Cuevas. He threw a one-two, lean away two. The first, you see the punch. It, 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 it's, it's, once his punch finishes, it's gone down past his own waist, dropping down almost to his own knee. It's dropped down in an arc that much. Devastating. Devastating. He's in most of his right hands the same. They got that arc to them. So whether he knew it or just that's just the way he did it, but every one of those punches was down. Devastating. And that, you know, that works great. And then halfway up from here, one stomach five, it's called in Chinese medicine. Same thing, just on the bulge there on the jaw. Halfway from the from the center of the jaw to the bottom of the ear, halfway, same place on everyone. And again, I mean, just doing this, it's hard. I've had people go out. Just, just doing that. Yeah. We used to teach it for police and door security, just slap them. Just slap them there. Because you get a huge amount. You get, you hit everything with a slap. I had one guy years ago. Long, long, incredibly long and boring story short. Anyway, I had to slap him. So... I've slapped him around the chops and all I've seen was like this, go past my eyes like that. And there was a little like, uh, like a, uh, almost like, almost like a, a balustrade almost sort of thing here. So, oh, think of it like a little fence or waist height almost in this bar. So I've just seen this like that, go past this. And it was his legs because he, he was up against the thing a bit like that. So we went like that. So we, I've slapped him and then these two two pairs of legs went like that. 
cast my eyes like, what was that? And he's down on the deck, unconscious. So I go, oh, this guy's really drunk. And I was looking around. Thankfully, nobody saw it, or I didn't think. So we sort of propped him up against the side and then helped out with something else near the bar. Then this young old boy comes up to me and goes, I saw what you did there. I went, all right. He goes, you're in trouble. I said, why? He said, that guy's a really good fighter. I said, he's unconscious. He said, no, but he can really fight well. I said, yeah, he's unconscious. He said, yeah, but he's a real tough guy around town. I said, he's unconscious. <laughs> he said, another three or four things this guy could do. Said, yeah, but he's unconscious, mate. Uh, and then, so we'll wake him up, this guy, and he's all over the place like that. And then he's thanking me for helping him out then, this guy, because I've helped him get up and walked him out the bar. And he's like, oh, cheers, mate. I said, Ooh. I said, you must have been really drunk, then. <laughs> and off he went. Yeah, but he was <laughs> a really good fighter. He's a really good fighter. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, that one. That was a funny one. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, so we talk about just hit really hard is the thing, but but yeah, angle direction and stuff like that. But they work. I mean, I wouldn't spend all these years of my life doing it if it didn't work. Joe's you know? going to have to put a link to your site again too in the description today. Oh, uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. People can, yeah, always. You know, this is all on Joe to do this. I don't, I don't remember to say it sometimes, but RussellStutley.com. Um, you know, BallheadsAreIn.com. Uh, you know, you whatever your website you want, you. Know, let Joe my hair's my hair's nothing like Tony's.com. Dot com. Right, right, right. Uh, Joe's making a rebound. Joe got his hair cut and he's he's making a rebound. Um he uh he he'll come back to the top of the heap with, with his hair style, believe me. Well, much like uh, Russell's style of self-defense, mine is multidisciplinary. I have many I draw from many sources of hair care to, you know, whatever, whatever the situation requires, honestly, because, you know, I've traveled thousands of miles, spent thousands of dollars. You've got to do that. You know, uh, like I said, you know, you got to, got to be willing to drive or fly or wherever you go to get the best haircuts. You can't just go to supercuts. you know, everybody's got a supercuts or a dojo in their neighborhood. But, um, like I said, if you want world-class hair, you've got to be willing to, uh, put in the time, put in the money and the effort. And so I think uh, the proof is right there in front of everybody. So I think, and I'm glad we're documenting it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing goes for psychiatric help, Joe. Um, you got to go to the best. Okay. But yeah, no, you're looking good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Look at all the attention you got in Cleveland, man. You know, you, you were the star of the show over there. It was, it was, it was pretty exciting. Um, you know, actually going back to Russell, I have a buddy that I would like to get on this, um, podcast and i think you guys would hit it off quite a bit but he's he's done a lot of study of chinese medicine he you know, ac studied acupuncture in china and um knows a lot of the, the body points too a lot of stuff that you know i think you guys would have a lot to uh discuss i think that would be a fun to get you two guys together um and it's actually kind of funny because he kind of had a when we were first getting into grappling this was way before we got exposed to tony's stuff we were just doing some like you know, basic submission stuff. But we got in a position, he got stuck. And he basically, uh, without knowing what he was doing, kind of used a, a Chinese pressure point to rip me, um, to make me move. And we kind of laughed about it. Like he kind of called out what he was doing, but he just improvised it. And, um, and later on, we learned, oh, yeah, Tony's stuff has that. Like, we, he's doing that intentionally. Like he had just, he just kind of pulled something out of his Chinese background and kind of drove his knuckle into some spot of mine 
And, you know, we, and it was funny because we were so kind of uh, new and ignorant about grappling. We, we almost kind of felt we were cheating, you know, <laughs> we didn't understand that. No, that's actually a strategy. You should be doing that and you should know these points. So um, did you find a lot of the pressure points? This very, I imagine similarly, you must've seen certain points. It's like, oh yeah, when Tony's ripping, that's exactly some points that we work on too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and we, we only had, um, Two, two, not rules, if you like, when we were training the grappling stuff was we had, are we allowed to do a Jones or not? And that was the only one, only stipulation we had when we were doing any rolling with each other was uh, no Jones is allowed or Joneses are allowed. That was it. That was it. Because of you know, all this, when Tony says about doing a Jonesy or whatever, it's just horrible. So because of, with the Joneses allowed, we could really dig into the points with our elbows and stuff like that and just gouge in there and really, really put the hurt on people. So, we, you know, you look at all the ripping stuff and Tony stuff, we just look, yeah, we, he's hitting that point, this point, that point, whatever, right? Because we'd say with Tony stuff, oh, he's going straight for that point. So he just hasn't called it the Chinese name you know, like gallbladder this or stomach that or whatever, but he's going straight to those places that we know what they are. So as soon as I look at it, I can go, oh, right. I can just call my guys and go, right, you know, hit the liver gallbladder crossing. When you're, when you're in side control, dig your elbow in the liver gallbladder crossing, see what happens. And then, you know, putting her elbow into where Tony's showing it on ripping and it's it's the place that we, we know to go to. So we can sort of talk to each other about, areas to go to and explain the technique or whatever and make it easier for our guys to understand because we can say oh look at Tony's stuff he's doing top wrist like that his elbow is scraping down you know gallbladder meridian on the ear by the ear or whatever just scrape it down that way while they're doing it watch what happens you know with your other elbow do this put it into that point put your hand over heart three or whatever do this that and the other and it's all there it's all there. And, and the same, same lingo. A lot of the terminology that Tony was using was what we were using. And we'd never heard anybody speak the same language, if you like, before. And I remember okay. saying to Tony, why do you speak like that? He goes, well, there's no better way to explain it, is there? Oh, good point. Yeah, we speak the same language again because we, you know, we won World War II for you. But anyway, getting back to um, the rips, I never use them in replacement of wrestling. It's in addition to it. So, you know, because it's all about controlling. Nothing works. Like you mentioned Harold earlier, and he really wasn't counterpunching. He was waiting for the, you know, when, when that fighter, his opponent, came into his range. Well, that's control. See, uh, Russ, uh, Harold controlled him. He made him do something that he wanted him to do. So th this is the secret of successful fighting is being a control freak, making the opponent do what you want him or her to do. So when I'm doing the rips, I'm not just arbitrarily ripping. I'm You're under control to begin with. And this is augmentation. Um, you know, I'm using it to further my control over you, my dominance in essence. So uh, I think that's really important for people to uh, understand that. Yeah, and it's that evil side coming out isn't it <laughs> you've got control over somebody i know let's hurt them even more just before i rip their arm off 
that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to move around because of the sun over here, but yeah, um, that's exactly what it is. It, but this is fighting. This is, you know, if you're opposed to anything such as that, then honestly, this stuff isn't for you. Okay. Yeah. If you just want to have a friendly little role or something along those lines, then then by all means, you know, do a martial art that that that's what it's based upon. Upon mine isn't. Okay. So, uh, you know, just like if you want to learn how to play tennis, well, don't don't sign up for my track C program. It's got no correlation to tennis. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's just the way it is. So my thing is vicious. It's the anti like gentle art. Um, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's like a steamroller, you know, that's just going over you, but yeah. yet it's like a racehorse. You're strong and powerful and, and in control. Um, so yeah, it, it's a complete different thing. It's, you know, it is what it is. But that control thing in striking, we call it um, giving them a present and then taking it away. <laughs> so that is a silly example. You know, if you, you see someone like, say, Floyd, he used to do it to people all the time. He would just lean forward slightly so they think they can jab him. And then he just pulls back. So he's giving them a present and then taking it away. So we would say that's basically what we're doing all the time to control the other guy because if you want him to come this way you give him a present over here that makes him want to go that way or whatever it may be and um, you know in wrapped it, it a silly one that we, we used to do a lot of but if you wanted to get somebody's arm but you couldn't get they were forever defending it out of the way if you put your thumb in their eye they tend to bring their arm up just pull it away so then you can get their arm that sort of you know what i mean is a silly you know just as an example of quick easy example people can understand if you put pain somewhere they tend to reach up to grab it or push it away so if you want the arm if you put pain somewhere their arm comes to it so you haven't got to go searching for it they come to you so they give you what you're after does that make sense yeah that's exactly how i teach it and yeah to, add, to augment off of that is your brain is also now totally focused on the pain it's not doing yeah. two things at once so now they're they're vulnerable everywhere else uh, yeah. And that's why, like, when you do the top wrist locks, double wrist locks, and different submissions that I teach, they're also compound locks, as opposed to judo jiu-jitsu that just attacks one thing, be it the rotator cuff or the elbow, whatever it may be. My locks attack more than one thing. So your body, you can't win. You can't beat these kind of submissions because your brain, the opponent's brain can't function appropriately now because it's, it's in a state of, you know, totally – total discombobulation and hysterics yeah. so it's 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 at another level it's at uh you know as far as i'm concerned the highest level there is i've not seen anything else that's this technical um anywhere and i've been in this business almost what i see now this year will be uh 44 years of grappling and i've never seen anything like it see we know from Chinese medicine stuff and from our understanding of AMP and body mechanics, body dynamic, the, and, and experience that you can accept pain in one direction, in one plane, your body starts to get used to it. But once you've got another plane, another direction, 
and pain in another area at the same all of a sudden the body can't take it anymore and if that pain isn't constant if you if you put in just a standard lock not the way you do it Tony, but a standard lock on and it's just painful you can hold it there through pure strength or whatever you can just you can that pain gets less and less so to speak you can hold it you can resist it you can hold it and it's less and less pain if, if, it's a, if it's just a constant force. But when that force is changing all the time and different angles are being used as well and different areas of pain, the way you do it, Tony, then you can't resist it anymore because the body, the brain just can't take it. It can take one angle, one, one level, but once you start to introduce the misalignment, there's another angle going in and, different, and moving it around, it's a different levels and different types of pain going the body can't take it anymore and it, and the brain just did oh, fuck it, i've had enough just, just break it that's it because i can't take it anymore and, yeah and it's those sort of things that, that that aren't taught and they can go in a shack and there's so much there there's so much to this uh that that you just you know most people just don't get exposed to it but uh once again, you know, I'm, I share all this knowledge. I have much more to share than that, that's even appeared on any of my currently produced videos. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's all about you got to make that journey. You got to make that effort. You know, when Nico and Joe were coming over before the COVID, you know, I had my charts up on the wall of the anatomy and this and that and so much that you could, that there is left to learn. So, you know, uh, take advantage of it. You know, that's just all I, I I can't transplant my brain into anybody else's uh, mind. So you're into their head. So you just got to say, all right, do I want it? Then do it. If you just don't, then just walk away, you know, just forget I even exist because, you know, it's a waste of both people's time. So that's what happened with me, with my music. At one point I knew I could no longer do it after the aneurysm. I couldn't play. I could develop my, knowledge but i i couldn't be a performer anymore okay so i i had to kind of walk away from all of that you know i had to, i had to walk away from the practice of trying to get my technique up and all of that because it was never going to get where i needed it to be and my my coach was i still hung out we went to baseball games and all of that shit you know and i would go over and listen to him play or we listen to other musicians but um it's my neighbor over there but Outside of that, I had to, you know, I had to walk away from it because I, I couldn't do it. So that's what I'm telling people. You know, if you're either all in and want to learn this or just walk away because, you know, what else is there? And that's what I did with what, what my one coach. I walked away from the study, you know, from the yeah. learning of, you know, not, I didn't walk away from him, you know. Yeah. Well, um, but, um, some, people, some people just want to learn for themselves as well, though, Tony, don't they? I mean, and people can do that. They can join the Tri-C, join them at whatever. I recommend they join the Tri-C, but there you go. They, they can just, if all they want is to learn it just for themselves and not compete or anything, just to have the knowledge, then they can do that. They don't have to be competing. They don't have to be some kind of super athlete. If they just want the knowledge, then do that. I mean, you know, I find it incredible that people still pay them, you know, under bucks a month to go and do martial arts, and they know they're not learning. They're just repeating year four again. 
and you oh, just say to them, yeah, you've done 25 years of karate, you've repeated year four for the last 21, don't you think it's about time you learned something? Well, maybe if knowledge. I mean, I can't... That one too. Some people are happy just doing what they're doing, that's fine. Yeah. But if, if you really want to say you're a martial artist, you really want to say you're learning stuff, then you know, learn. Yeah. You know, join the Tri-C and really learn. Right. Sure. Well, we'll see. You know, again, uh, we've, we, we, Can we, I come back onto the pain thing? Because there was something else I wanted to add in about right. the pain thing. We used to hear years ago about old time boxers saying things like, you know, stand on the toe before you smack them one, sort of thing. Right? Well, we have a, that we know from Chinese medicine, we explain it like this. If you imagine the body's got a hundred soldiers inside it, which is the body's natural defenses. So once you start to grab an arm to put a lock on or whatever, a load of soldiers run over there to help defend it. Right? So we know that these soldiers, let's call them that, they run to defend wherever an attack's taking place. So if you, which is why a lot of moves in karate and martial arts have things that are, look like they're, they're two things going on at once, you know, things like this, like this, like this, whatever, these moves where you've got a high, low, left, right, front, back sort of attack going on at, at once. When you're doing this one, you've got one hand on top, one underneath, so you've got a front, back, blah, 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 and the way your angle you're taking it, everything else, you've got left to right, front to back, top to bottom going on. You've got these opposites going on. But when it comes to try striking, it's never so obvious because people just see a punch. But if you... I know, if you toe punch somebody in the shin, they tend to sort of like either move towards it, look down a bit, hobble a bit or whatever. But a load of their defences run down to the shin to defend that toe punt in the shin to make a silly extreme example. Then the smack in the gob tends to have more of an effect than it would have done on its own. Right? So why the old time boxers were saying things like you stand on their toe and then hit them, it wasn't a joke. It was because they knew that even if it's just sending some of your thought down there and what's going on, it takes it away from where it should be. But if you can send the pain somewhere, the further away you send the pain, the more systemic the reaction when you put the, the, the proper striking after. So on a lot of the stuff with the ripping and doing the Jonesy and stuff like that, if we were after this arm, we might be putting, knowing that our stuff to put the pain over here somewhere or whatever so that the attention's gone over there which leaves this one open and so and the same with striking we were teaching stuff to security and police where before they're going to slap them around the chops they might already have slapped them on this arm so forget it and when people get a slap on the arm there they look down at it Every single time, and when they look down at it, they're leaving themselves open for the big slap. And this is just, they're just giving you their jaw. So we do it all the time. Just hit somebody on the side of the arm, forget it. They all look at it, and then you've opened up for the, for the slap or the punch or whatever, usually a slap. So, and it's that sending the pain somewhere, sending the attention somewhere, sending the soldiers somewhere else to defend it, leaves them open for the strike that's coming or the attack that's coming later. So to us, that was a very, very important part of 
training and understanding for self-defense. And when you look at boxing, you look at somebody like Tyson who's doing the peekaboo, he would come in and he would for, very often be throwing the body shot before he came upstairs with the uppercut. So the soldiers are going down there to defend it and then the uppercut's got more of, a, more of an effect. So it's why you have these low, high, left, right attacks that are there in things like karate, but they're never explained because they don't understand what they are. They say, oh, we're just grabbing or we're doing something. They don't understand what the background is or why. But you see it all the time in Tony's stuff. And then, well, in, ma- you know, in magic, it's called misdirection. You know, you're misdirecting yeah. the person. And, and that's where, and you're right. And that's why on the ground, I don't like these guys that are just laying there doing nothing. You, you know, everybody that knows me knows that I'm all over the place on the ground, you know, just like you said, up, down, high, low, you know, to create these openings and and so on. Otherwise, you're going to lay there. You can lay there conceivably, you know, forever. You know, the guy's being very defensive. Open them up, move around. Uh, that's why you got to get off your knees, man. You got to be mobile on the ground. There, there's times when you be on your knees, of course, depending on where you're at. But generally, move. You want to be you want to be mobile. Um. But anyway, but when, we see, when we see people on their knees, though, Tony, we see them on their knees incorrectly. Yeah, even that, right. Because from a striking perspective, the way I look at it, and um, if I'm wrong, you're going to tell me, I look like an idiot on the podcast. But from a striking perspective, when I see people on knees, you see it all the time in UFC and all the MMA stuff, when they're in, in someone's guard, they're always on their knees, and their knees are parallel. They're in a... Oh, hold on. That's like standing square on in front of somebody and expecting to be balanced, ready to strike. If you put both your shoulders against the ropes or against the wall, you can't punch with any real power. You take one shoulder off and you can suddenly you've got power again. Same on the floor, isn't it? If you lift the shoulder, you can't... If you've got both shoulders on the floor, you can't punch up with any power. And these guys are, with their knees are down there. And I say to people, if you are on your knees striking, then you should treat it like you're a little guy and your knees are your feet. So you should have a stance on your knees. So you, you should have one knee slightly in front of the other because it should be like a proper stance. So you're not square on trying to punch where you've got no real power. Where you've got that slight turn, so now you've got power in both sides. Now Tony's going to tell me about it all wrong, hopefully not. No, no, no that's right. I mean, and you're balanced too, so they can't turn you. People oh. all easily bump the guy and turn him. No, because you're not going to freeze in that position. Let's say your knees are like this or whatever. Yeah. You're not going to be frozen in time. If you feel yes. him trying to do that, then you make your shifts. I mean, it's yes. just. It is so common. Kind of <laughs> like, like this. Let me hear. So, like, if I'm on my feet, I don't know if you can see me. So, if I'm on my feet here, and you know, you're you're doing this shift. Well, I'm not going to freeze like this. Well, I'm going to adjust. You know, I'm going to I'm going to move around. I'm going to adjust. You do the same thing on the ground. It's all about adjustment and shit. Yeah. <laughs> when we say to people, you got to have one knee in front, just like you're saying that. The first thing they all say, all the brothers go, "Oh, well, we'll just sweep you if you stay there like that." But well, I'm not going to stay there, am I? Uh, right. Yeah. And they forget that you do move and that you are allowed to move. And we say, same in striking. You don't just stand in the stance and stand there and let the other guy walk around you and punch you when he feels like it. You yeah, do move. Right. right. 
I said, do you really think we're that fucking stupid that we just stand there and sit or sit there like that and let you do anything? We are going to move. Right. Well, that, that comes from a lot of static training, you know, where, okay, freeze. Now, I'm, if you do this, like, you know, the old frozen punch routine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm out there, you know, um, no, that's not a real proper way of training because it is what it is. But you know what, Russell, you and I think a lot alike in, in this stuff. And, you know, that, that's a good thing. Uh, we'll be talking on another podcast with Joe about that fast study. Fast study and I thought the same about shooting pool. And this guy was bringing up some very scientific stuff. He tried to trick me on a, a shot. It didn't work. You know, we, we're on the same page. And I, that's what I like about you. And there's a few other guys, too, that they're on the same, we're on the same page about things. Um, so I think now we better wrap this up. But before we do... I want to just make a statement here. It was four years ago this weekend, July 1st, that my the greatest guy, Kevin King, that you met, Russell, when you were in town, he got killed in a plane crash uh, over the 4th of July weekend in 2017. So I just want to say that, Kevin, you're always in my thoughts. Every day I think about you, um, you know, and uh, he was just a very special guy. And we have to have an upcoming uh, podcast on him just on him, uh, and it would be very interesting because he was a very, he was a bon vivant, you know, world record holder in, in his age group and just all sorts of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, that cascaded, you know, with me losing the gym, everything that weekend. So it's been four years ago this this weekend. Uh, and uh, come tomorrow, the 5th, is when I actually lost the gym uh, four years ago. I want to take a moment to thank you uh, again, Russell, for all your knowledge that you have here. I cannot tell everybody out there how much I think that you, you should look up Russell. He's more than just a pressure point guy. You know, he's a striker, boxer, and utilizes all this stuff. You know, you really need to check him out. He's, you know, just he has so much to offer. And he's got a he, – he has a good community following him. So you could be part of a, of a good community. Uh, which I envy, you know, because um, I have a silent community. All right. Um, yours is more vocal, more active. And it's, you know, it's, it's very awesome. And again, thank you. Cause if it wasn't for your help, Russell, I wouldn't be able to have done this private membership uh, thing. So I, Pleasure. You, Pleasure. You, you know, yeah, it's really, really good. And I want to thank Nico for showing up and of course, Joe, and now you guys can, do your talking. Right. Thank you again for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. And, you know, we're not into blowing smoke or anything like that, but I'm telling people they got to get some of this stuff, get the tri C. And, 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 yeah, that's it. And if you can't do the tri C, join the $10 monthly thing. Like I said, there's nothing more than an IQ test. It's, it's that simple. It's just everyone should be on it. It's that simple. If you really want to understand what you're doing, Get Tony's. I keep telling people we just got what we did. We got Tony's stuff. There you go. Yeah, that's it. I can't. I, I don't know. Now, guys, three to six months smashing everybody up. What do you want? Get on it. Get on the try C. And that was without being on the try C. That was just from you from watching your stuff on it, Tony. We, all right, I could phone Tony up or whatever and say, "What do you do with this?" But you've oh, yeah. done it all: email, Skype. Zoom, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, so yeah, 
So good, good. So I want I want to wish everybody else out there in America. You know, I'm joking about Germany and you know World War II. We bust we bust each other's chops. Sometimes in this day and age, people get offended over everything, but you can't have that kind of a thin skin. Uh, the bottom line is, are you there for each other when the crunch time is there? Uh, hopefully, I'm there for my friends, and I've proven that. Russell's proven it to me. Nico, Joe, and others that we've all been here for each other. Uh, I just feel bad that Nico never got to meet. Uh, I don't think he ever met Kevin, Nico. So that's a shame. Oh. Uh, he was absolutely one of a kind and a, and a massive inspiration to anyone. But uh, all right, you guys. Uh, Joe, take care. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Nico. Much appreciated. Thank you. And Tony, thanks again. And Thank God. you, guys. Thank you, Russell. And God bless the United States of America. Hoo-ah. One.